what is the difference between single malt and blended scotch whiskey? What's up, guys? You're listening to the Whiskey Noobs Podcast, and for those of you who are new here, my name is Chris, and I'm the host of the show. And I wanted to take an episode and really talk about the differences between single malt and blended scotch whiskey, a little bit about the rules between the two of them, but then also physically comparing two scotches, uh, one of which is a single malt and one of which is blended. And specifically for this, I picked Chivas Regal 12 and Glenfiddich because on the Chivas Regal website under Chivas Regal 12, it says that it has a lot of characteristics similar to a Speyside Scotch. For those of you who don't know, Glenfiddich is a Speyside Scotch. So I wanted to compare these two and see their similarities and their differences. Also, they're both 12 years old and they're both 40% alcohol by volume. So they have pretty similar stats going into it. I'm sure they're going to have different tastes. I've had both of these and I don't recall them tasting that much similar, but I'm excited to see the similarities that they could have. And then I want to compare a little bit mixing in my experience along with this specific tasting to compare what you can expect differently from a blended scotch versus a single malt scotch. And as I always try to preface, this is going to be gross generalizations. I'm going to be talking in very general terms. I'm not going to be saying stuff that necessarily is always the case. There could easily be a blended scotch that doesn't follow the rules that I'm about to give. There could easily, not the rules for being a blended scotch, I should say, but the Uh, general characteristics that I'm about to give. And there could easily be a single malt that does not follow the general characteristics that I'm going to give when I'm comparing and contrasting these two specific whiskeys. Now, I did previously mention the difference between single malt and blended scotch in the episode, What is Scotch Whiskey? I believe that was episode nine of this show. So it's been a little while. We are now on 60. And so I want to take a minute and revisit that. And then, as I mentioned, we can dive in a little bit deeper by doing a side-by-side tasting of a blended scotch versus a single malt scotch. Now, let's start off with the basic rules, and then we'll get into the fun stuff with tasting the actual whiskey. But what specifically is a single malt? For those of you who haven't been around since that Scotch episode, you might have heard the term single malt a lot in the media, and it makes you really wonder, like, what does that even mean? And when I say the media, I mean, like, pop culture and in TV shows and just all the time. People like to throw around single malt. I think it gets thrown around a lot in pop culture because it gives this uh, sort of indication that the person knows more about whiskey than just face value of whiskey. They say, oh, I'm drinking a single malt. And it gives this, this sort of impression that they're a little bit higher society. They know a little bit more about whiskey than just drinking any old bottle of whiskey. They're being picky choosy about it, etc. And for that reason, I think they're, at least for me when I was getting into the hobby, there's a little bit of kind of confusion, a little bit of mystery around this, this whole single malt thing. It makes you wonder like, what's the deal with this single malt? What's the big deal? And so I think it really gets perpetuated, and sometimes we honestly lose the merits of blended whiskey. So for those of you who don't know, all of Johnny Walker's big flagship whiskeys, you know, Johnny Walker Blue, Black, Red, they're all blended scotches, and Johnny Walker is really known for how well they blend the scotch, and and they also have excellent marketing, so I don't want to pretend like they're just the perfect blended scotch, but they're really known for that, and 
the art of blending scotch or blending any whiskey in general still is an art form. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes, especially when people ask me about my preferences and things. I don't really have a preference of single malt versus blended. And we're about to get into a, a review explaining why that is. But for the actual rules, what is single malt? What is What does that term mean? Single malt in both Ireland and in Scotland, actually, means that it's distilled from water and malted barley only. So the, the mash bill is water and malted barley. And a lot of people think that's where it gets the single name from because it's only using a single malt, the malt being the malted barley. But actually, that comes from the fact that it is only distilled at one distillery. That's where it gets the single from in the name. And so a single malt, not only does it need to be only malted barley in the mash bill with water, of course, but also it can only be distilled at one distillery. So the entire process has to take place at one distillery. And it can't, you if you're blending multiple barrels together of the same single malt, you can't blend ones from different distilleries. So that doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be single barrel. I don't want to make any confusion there. You still usually blend together large batches of barrels when you make any type of whiskey. But it does mean that all of those barrels of, of the scotch have to come from the same distillery. Everything had to be distilled at that one distillery. Um, another rule that I actually forget about often is that they do have to be distilled in pot stills. Uh, a pot still is a specific type of still. I've talked a little bit about the difference between pot stills and column stills. Um, but the other main type of still is a column still. And blended scotches can use a column still, but single malt scotches cannot. And the theory behind pot stills versus column stills in general is column stills make the whiskey stronger. Pot stills tend to preserve more of the flavor is kind of the very, very, very general rule. Um, but there you can get very specific with still geometry. So I don't want to get too deep into that in this episode. But what's important to remember is single malt, pot still. Blended, could be pot still, could be column still, could be whatever you want. Now that leaves the question, what is blended scotch? And blended scotch is basically something that doesn't have to conform to those rules. Um, it could have multiple different types of grains. It doesn't necessarily just need to be malt. It doesn't just need to be malted barley. Uh, you could have some rye, some wheat, some corn, um, whiskeys mixed into there. And it can be a blend of multiple different kinds with different things going on. And then also, as I mentioned, it could be a column still. doesn't necessarily need to be a pot still. doesn't necessarily need to be one distillery. could be blended from multiple distilleries. Monkey Shoulder is a great example. Um, I believe they changed up how they did it, but they used to blend from, I think, three completely different distilleries. It was a blend, of, I believe, of three whiskeys from three different distilleries. And that's why there's three monkeys on the bottle. Fun fact... As I mentioned, I believe they changed the recipe, but apparently it used to be that uh, Glenfiddich was one of those three whiskeys. And so if you like Monkey Shoulder, you might like Glenfiddich. But Glenfiddich is a single malt, whereas Monkey Shoulder is blended. Now, we could compare those two. Maybe I'll, I'll grab a glass of that at the end of the episode. We'll see. Um, but I wanted to compare specifically to Chivas Regal because it doesn't have any Glenfiddich in it, so it's kind of a more fair comparison. Now, those are the technicalities that kind of separate single malt from malted uh, or single malt from blended scotch. And just to kind of really quickly summarize in a way that I think is easy to remember, single malt, the main thing to remember is just malted barley, just one distillery. You can also throw in there just pot stills. Blended means could have different types of grains in it, different types of whiskeys blended, 
as long as they're all scotch, of course, and could have multiple distilleries. That's the easiest way to really put it that you'll, that, that's easy to remember, easy for me to remember at least. So as I mentioned, Chivas Regal 12 and Glenfiddich are both 40% alcohol by volume. They're both aged 12 years. And when you have a 12-year age statement, it means the youngest barrel to go into the bottle has to be at least 12 years old. And so they're pretty similar. And then on top of that, on the Chivas website, it specifically says has characteristics of Speyside scotches, Glenfiddich being a Speyside scotch. So that's why I really want to try to draw this comparison because I think it's going to be pretty interesting to really see the similarities and the differences here. Now I'm going to start with the Glenfiddich since it is a single malt. That way I'm not getting all these other flavors that I'm anticipating to get from the Chivas. I'm not getting all of those on my palate necessarily, but I am just getting the good old-fashioned Glenfiddich 12-year-old. I will admit um, before I do this that I have had both of these whiskeys and I do have an impression going into this of what I'm expecting. Um, I'm anticipating, and we'll see if this holds true, that the Chivas Regal, the Chivas Regal, sorry, will have more kind of going on, more different types of flavors in it, um, but not necessarily the depth and complexity of flavors that the Glenfiddich will have. And I find that to be a theme, at least in my head, but I've never sat down and done this side by side. But I find that to be a theme between single malt and blended scotches because the, the single malt, all you're using is malted barley and water. And so you have to try really hard to be different. And you have to really work to have a complex drink. Whereas with blended, you don't have to work as hard to really get that depth and that complexity. Um, but you get to get all these other flavors that you kind of get the face value of. You don't get the depth and the transition of the flavors. But you get the face value of all those flavors by blending different types of scotch, different uh, barrels. That is my assumption. We will see what actually happens. So I'm going to start with the Glenfiddich. Also, I did bring up the uh, flavor notes that they that each company says you should get from each of these whiskeys. And I will just run through those with the review because this isn't focused necessarily on the individual flavors as much as I'm focusing on the experience itself. So Glenfiddich 12-year-old, for the nose, they say distinctively fresh and fruity with a hint of pear. Um, definitely has a lot of fruitiness in it, and it certainly has a herbiness to it. To me, um, that maybe that just that maltiness that you get from uh, from the barley. One thing I forgot to mention is I have reviewed both of these on the show before, so you can look back through the episodes and you can find uh, the the Chivas episode was called Battle of the Blends, and the Glenfiddich episode I believe has Glenfiddich in the name, so you can find both of those if you want a more in depth review. But that's what they say for the nose, and I absolutely agree. You get the pear up front, which is one of those ones I never guess until I read it, and then I'm like, oh, pear, that makes sense. Um, but the pear is definitely there, and I would throw in a little bit of maltiness and maybe some like pale vanilla, like a pale vanilla though. Not like vanilla paired with like caramel and things like that. On the palate, it says characteristic sweet, fruity notes, develops into butterscotch cream, malt, and subtle oak flavors. I agree there's definitely strong sweetness behind Glenfiddich. It's one of the things I like about it. There is that tinge of fruitiness, maybe that pear that you get on the nose. And 
I don't get quite as strong of butterscotch, probably because I, I drink a lot of bourbons, which typically have like a butterscotchy, caramely flavor to me. But one of the things I love about this is it the note cream. Uh, the cream and the malt. It really comes across as this this creamy, malty drink. It develops kind of into it from that fruitiness. When it first hits your mouth, you're like, oh, this is sweet. And then it does sort of develop into this creamy maltiness. It says subtle oak flavors. As I mention often, um, I never get as much. I don't, I shouldn't say never. I don't typically get as much oak as I get from the bourbons that I drink. But I'll look for those, those oak notes in this next taste. Yeah, so there's definitely that fruitiness on the front end of the palate. And there's definitely a tinge of butterscotch. I don't want to seem like there isn't at all, but I just don't feel like it's as pronounced to me. There is a, a paleness that I associate with that cream and that malt. If I really search for the oak, it's there. But at least in this current palate condition, not a lot of oak. And maybe a little bit of clove. I mentioned clove a lot whenever I drink scotches and I've recently discovered specifically I think it's sherry casks which Glenfiddich is finished in an Oloroso sherry cask also finished in bourbon casks um, but I think that it's probably the uh, the sherry casks because clove and that type of spice can be characteristic of that so I'm guessing that's what it's from um, Overall, a pleasant experience. The finish, all they tell you is a long, smooth, and mellow finish. I don't know that it does it justice because I think the palate continues to develop into the finish and you lose some of the sweetness. You go into a little bit of the bitterness, but you also get that creamy maltiness even more on the finish, in my opinion. Not necessarily the smoothest finish at 40% ABV. Definitely smooth. I mean, definitely has a good amount of an oily feel to it. Not going to dry your whole mouth out. Um, but at 40% is where I typically expect it to be like. If it's going to call it a smooth finish, I expect it to be no no dryness on my tongue at all. This does take out a little bit of the moisture, just a little bit, um, but still a respectably oily and smooth finish. I've mentioned a multitude of times, I really like Glenfiddich at its price range. It's one of my go-to scotches just because it's relatively affordable, still tastes slightly more expensive, uh, and has that, that good palate to it. Great transition from beginning to end. Um, great changing of the notes as it's in your mouth, uh, and just really overall well-rounded drink. So let's move on here to the Chivas Regal and let's see what differences we see. Okay. So moving from the Glenfiddich to the Chivas immediately, um, more, bold of notes but harder to get to those notes in a weird way so the notes themselves they go from the you know the smooth pear and i forget i think i mentioned like sweet vanilla like pale sweetness they go from that in the glenfiddich over to more more punchy notes um one of the the first one that they actually say is wild herbs and then it says uh heather honey and orchard fruits and immediately the wild herbs are there, which is a punchier type of flavor than like a, a vanilla and pear. But it is a little bit harder to get to those flavors. I get a little bit more of the ethanol and a little bit less of the flavors. Um, not necessarily ethanol, but just the overall alcohol burn, I guess is what I mean. And a little bit less of the flavor. 
but the flavors are punchier. They are more pronounced in terms of the type of flavor. I don't want to say pronounced. That was a bad way of putting it. Punchy is the, the only way I can think to put it. Um, and then definitely still a little bit of sweetness, the honey and the orchard fruits that they say. Um, but I think the sweetness is a little bit dulled when compared to the Glenfiddich. And so maybe I'm getting a little bit less of it here. But let's go ahead with the palate. One thing that I forgot to mention is those wild herbs that it mentions to me has just a touch of a, a peatiness to it. And I don't know if there's peated scotch actually in this. I don't remember if I ever end up looking that up, but it just has that, that little bit of smokiness to it that I, that I get from um, like Johnny Walker. Maybe that's just totally in my head. Maybe I'm associating it with something else in this, but it has just, just a touch of it. Um, but let's move on to the palate. Yeah, so there's a lot going on with that palate. Um, between each stage of the palate, I get that um, little bit of burntness to it, that little bit of smokiness. That's the word I'm looking for. Can't get bring it to my brain today. Um, I get that throughout each stage of the palate, um, but there is a good amount of other things going on. They say honey. I can oh, let, me, let me read to you exactly what they say first. Round and creamy with a full, rich taste of honey and ripe pears alongside vanilla, hazelnut, and butterscotch notes. So, ironically enough, both of these mention butterscotch and both of these mention cream. And in Glenfiddich, in the nose, they mention pears, whereas on the palate of the Chivas, they mention pears. So, you would expect these to be almost identical drinks and they're not at all which i think is an awesome testament to how you can have the same notes but in a different order and interacting differently and get two totally different drinks so as i mentioned um they say that you get a um little bit of a a full creamy honey ripe pears to the the chivas and I find it to be less creamy than the Glenfiddich, which is funny because when I drink it by itself, I'm like, oh yeah, it has like a like a creamy and honey. That's a that gives you a pretty good image in your head, I think, of that type of a note. Whereas when I compare it to the Glenfiddich, I'm like, oh, it's I think it's more there in the Glenfiddich. Um, also, the pear is definitely there. They actually mention vanilla, whereas Glenfiddich did not, and I do think they both have some vanilla. And I'm going to try it one more time, but they also mentioned hazelnut and butterscotch. I think I would pair that hazelnut with the smokiness that I get um, and say that that probably belongs in that category. But I'm going to take another drink and compare once again to these notes. Oh, yeah. So as that Glenfiddich flavor is kind of leaving my palate and my uh, I'm adjusting to this Chivas, more cream on that one. Um, definitely more fruitiness that almost like is like the mouthwatering, just a tiny touch sour type fruitiness, um, like almost like a, a very slightly sour pear. Um, the hazelnut is probably there. Butterscotch, I'm going to kind of go the way that I went with Glenfiddich and say I would compare it to butterscotch with the sweetness and the vanilla that it has but not as strong as I've had in other whiskeys. Um, I always consider butterscotch and caramel to be very similar, and I'd say it's a lot stronger for me in bourbons than it is in either of these whiskeys. Overall, a pleasant experience. Um, at least in this first sip, uh, or these first couple of sips, the finish is significantly less smooth than the Glenfiddich, and they actually mention for finish, they don't put smooth. They just put rich and lingering on the Chivas. Um, so I'm kind of glad they don't put that because it does dry out your tongue a bit more than the Glenfiddich did. 
again, a bit more than you'd probably expect at 40%, but neither of these are high-dollar bottles, so I don't want to make it seem like they stink or anything. These are both pretty low-dollar scotches. So um, overall, a pleasant experience. Once again, punchier flavors um, and a lot going on, but I want to talk about the differences. So first, I'm going to do a side-by-side taste. I'm going to go Chivas and then Glenfiddich, I'm going to take a breather, and then I'm going to go Glenfiddich to Chivas, and I'm going to try to really get a good comparison between the two. Forgot to mention uh, with the Chivas, definitely a little touch of clove as well, as I mentioned there was in, in Glenfiddich as well. Okay, so once again, what I just did was I took a sip of the Chivas, and immediately I, I tried it, I let it linger on my palate, and then immediately took a sip of the Glenfiddich. And then I let myself sit for a while at my palate reset for a second. And then I went Glenfiddich immediately to Chivas. And I think I may have thought of the perfect way to summarize the difference between these two specifically. And also kind of an overarching theme that I see between uh, single malt and blended. Going from the Chivas, the blended scotch, to the Glenfiddich, the single malt scotch. It was immediately apparent that the Glenfiddich was more welcoming but boring compared to the Chivas at first. And then as it sat on my palate, it really started to develop into these other flavor notes, as I've mentioned how the palate of Glenfiddich kind of develops. Going from the Glenfiddich to the Chivas, it was immediately harsh on my palate and kind of offensive. And then as it as it stayed on my palate and lingered a little bit, I got all of these punchy flavors that you don't get from the Glenfiddich. And I think that is a great way to summarize what in my head is the difference in experience between a single malt and a blended. A blended scotch, you get all of these notes, but they're almost delivered simultaneously, and they're almost more punch to your palate in in a way that's not so bad depending on how well it's blended they're almost more offensive to your palate kind of you can think of it kind of like going to something higher proof if you've ever made that leap to the higher proof the barrel proof the cask strength those usually have more flavor but are also more offensive kind of the same idea whereas the single malt it was significantly less offensive, significantly more welcoming, but also, at least in the first part, at least until it developed and until my palate kind of got rid of the Chivas, at first it was almost boring. It was kind of like all of these smooth, creamy, sweet flavors that I just got punched in the mouth by the Chivas, or the Chivas, I'm going to keep doing that. If you didn't hear the first Chivas episode, I called it Chivas the entire episode, Um because that's how it's spelled to me. My last name is Ch- Chapinar with a C-H. So, um, <laughs> But anyways, I think that's a great way to put it, is that the the single malt is almost more welcoming, more mellow, whereas the Chivas is more harsh, or I guess blended in general, more harsh but more going on. And I've seen kind of that in my experience on multiple occasions because I've had single malts where I am just bored and I've had blends where I'm like, this is incredibly smooth. I think Johnny Walker blue is a great example of this incredibly smooth, incredibly oily, um, very 
mellow in its own regard, especially compared to the other Johnny Walkers, but still almost harsh if you drink a few sips in a row. It almost builds on your tongue with this this little bit of harshness. And I've never really put that to words in my experience with Johnny Walker Blue until now I'm realizing I think that's kind of what it is. And now if you have different experience with single malt versus blended, I don't want you to take this for gospel. This is my palate. This is my experience. This is the whiskeys that I have had, my experience with them. So you could absolutely have a different experience and there could absolutely be exceptions to this rule. But comparing these two, which I think are are relatively similar, honestly, you get a pretty good idea of the stark comparison between these two whiskeys that at face value should be similar, one of them being blended, one of them being single malt. And that is where I really want to say that no one is better than the other because it kind of depends on what you're going for. And I don't want to make it sound like, oh, single malt is boring because it's single malt. No, it's actually really exciting when you drink it on its own. My point is going from something that was so aggressive um, in comparison, so aggressive, and then going to the single malt was a little bit boring. But if you are just drinking a single malt, you won't be bored by any means, especially a more expensive one. Similarly, if you just drink a blended one, you're not going to be offended. Your palate's not going to be offended. Um, If you're not comparing it to something that's incredibly inoffensive, your palate won't be offended by it, uh, and you'll get all of those flavors. And so they really both have their place depending on what it is that you're looking for. So I'm really glad that I did this. It kind of confirmed my bias, and so maybe it is just my bias speaking here, but I'm really do believe, especially for the blended side, single malts get plenty of recognition. Everybody knows single malts can be delicious. Usually the most expensive scotches are single malts. But I really want blended scotch to get the recognition that it deserves because blended scotch can be very good and it is a little bit of an art form figuring out how to blend all of these whiskeys together in order to get the flavor that you want. So I'm very curious. Hopefully some of you guys tried this at home. I did put this on the this month's email list uh, if you subscribe to the email list. So I'm hoping everybody at least had a similar experience to me or has uh, some constructive feedback slash criticism on this. I'm excited to see what everybody thinks. Uh, if any of you did try this, feel free to message me and email me. Uh, message me on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs or email me at the or not the just whiskey noobs podcast at gmail.com and let me know what you think because this was certainly a very interesting exercise and I might do more single malt versus blended, not often, but uh, in the future, do another episode similar to this and see how I feel about it because it was a very interesting deep dive into the world of scotch and specifically with these two, Speyside. Um, Chivas isn't exclusively Speyside as far as I'm aware. It, it is not just exclusively Speyside, but at any rate, the Speyside flavor, the Speyside palette um, Definitely, this was a deep dive into that and really a good way to examine the difference between this single malt and this blend, but also overall establish a couple of ground rules, at least in my opinion and my experience, of single malts versus blended scotches. So hopefully that clarified for some of you guys. I'm sure some of the people who clicked on this, who read the title of this episode, were like, ooh, I want to hear that. You probably were wondering, like, what is the hype around single malt, at least in pop culture, and what's the difference, and, and why do people seem to... In my opinion, in in pop culture, it seems everybody favors single malt. If if you were wondering why that is and what's going on there, hopefully this gave you some insight. Don't knock the blended scotches until you try them because they can be delicious as well. 
I think every type of whiskey has its place about 99% of the time, and this is definitely one of those cases. That's all that I've got for this comparison, though, guys. So hopefully you were trying this alongside me if you're on the email list. If you did, let me know what you think. But that's all we've got for single malt versus blended scotches. So thank you all for listening, and I will leave you with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure that you tell anyone you know who you think would be interested in the hobby or in the podcast. That way we can help to spread the word and continue to grow. Please also make sure to review the show on Apple Podcasts and share our posts on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs or on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. Uh, It only takes a couple of minutes and it really does a lot to help spread the word and grow the podcast. Also, there is an email list for the show. If you'd like to join, you can just send an email to whiskey noobs podcast at gmail.com and in the subject line put email list i will add you to the list and then you'll be updated every month with the whiskeys that we will be drinking on the show throughout the month that way you can drink right along with us and see if you're getting the same notes once again thank you so much for listening to the show the whiskey noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol